stay tuned for TKO. Good morning. I'm Karen Ottaboni, and I'm back with you. It's been a long break. Uh, last show, I got preempted for the Supreme Court hearings, and weren't those an interesting conversation? Anyway, I am back. Okay, so um, this morning, we're going to be talking about restorative justice with Kate Fagan. She's with the county's um, sheriff's department, actually, she's under them. But first, I want to just mention that we are in our, what we're calling our quiet drive. That's kind of a pledge drive for the, for the station. And I emphasize two things this morning. We are listener supported community radio. We are a small little nonprofit in Mendocino County, and it takes all of those of you that are listening to become members to keep this incredible, valuable project going. Uh, I wouldn't have a place to come to tell you about what's going on in the county. You get to hear the debates. You're going to get to hear the debates coming up on those that are running for office. Um, I'll be back at you to do election coverage. So the way we keep this station going is by having you, the listener, and your listener friends pledge to help this station and keep us going. So during this quiet drive, you can go to kzwax.org on the web, and there's a nice big red donate button. You can do that real quick and real easy. Um, or you can mail us, you know, snail mail, that still happens, USPS, and we are at box one in Philo. So take a moment, make sure that you're um, helping this station and this project keep going, please. I ask you as a listener and I ask you as a supporter to keep us on the air. All right, it's your responsibility, my responsibility, it's a community project. All right, so now, Kate Fagan. Are you there, my dear? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. Well, Kate and I had arranged to do this show three weeks ago, but uh, that didn't happen. So she was nice enough and had the time to do it today. Um, Kate is the head of, oh, let's see, I'm not sure where her title is. She'll tell us the title. But we're talking about restorative justice. Okay. We have, this is at the jail. We have justice that is restorative, and she's going to explain us, give us a little heads up on what does that mean, Kate, and how is it happening in Mendocino County? Okay, well, thank you for having me on today. Um, restorative justice in, in our setting, in our corrections world, really means um, giving people the opportunity who are in custody to reconnect with themselves and with the community and to really make amends for what has gone wrong. And um, we are kind of in the jail, we're shifting from this um, punishment model to a more restorative model, meaning just giving people opportunities to heal, to make changes, to kind of awaken their inner life, and to examine and really reflect on, you know, what's, what's not working for them in their lives. So there was a quote that I actually... Um Kate did a presentation to the Board of Supervisors in November last year. You can go stream that. It was very nice bullet point of everything going on. But there was a saying in there, I want you to, because you're sitting there looking at it, about judges versus jails. Yeah, so um, I, this is a quote from um, Dr. Stephen Bertozzi, who is uh, at UC Berkeley, and 
he's one of our our champ many champions of, of what we're doing here um and he said um a judge's job is to punish and a jail's job is to create better neighbors and we're really taking that to heart here and and that's that's restorative justice for us is is creating better neighbors giving people the opportunity to become better neighbors as they come out which makes the community safer it benefits all of us well and like I'd, I'd had the sheriff on a few times when we've talked about how the turnover in the jail is a lot of our community members a lot of kids that have grown up here that we all know you know i'm from anderson valley as you know and i've had a couple of kids that i've watched you know since they were five years old get into the get into the system and get in and out of the system and you know they've tried to better themselves but sometimes it does work sometimes it doesn't in our mm-hmm. case most of them have grown out of it sometimes so these are local people who are here who have family here correct right. that you're working with exactly yeah i mean these are our community members and in a lot of ways they're some of our most vulnerable community members which makes us vulnerable as a community when we have folks who are unstable who are um you know really struggling and they don't have services so that's really what our focus is is to to offer people a more robust menu of of ways to heal while they're in jail so that we're all um safer as a community and stronger as well um and i think that's something that is a common misconception or a common belief um is that what happens inside the jail is is kind of just so far removed from our community um and it's kind of like well that's just what's going on over there in the jail but really i mean this is our community these are our community members these walls are a lot more permeable than maybe we would like to think and so we're influenced by what happens inside the jail as a community um and and vice versa so we all have a stake in what happens in the jail and and how how we support people in transformation inside the jail so how did you get involved this is a new project at the jail this has only been going for like a year year and a half now i believe and you've been involved so just give us a little background on how you came to being involved with this project could you just a little bit sure yeah well i have a background in in substance abuse counseling and social work um and so i have a master's in social work and so I'm really interested in in transformative um, justice and in transformation um, and supporting people to to transform and, and be their best selves. And so um, Sheriff Kendall and I um, have known each other for a while and we've been talking about, you know, having these conversations about transformation. Um, and so a little over a year ago, we had a conversation about me doing this in the jail um and so uh he brought me on uh as the inmate services coordinator in the beginning and then we transformed the the entire program into this restorative justice model um over the past year and a little bit and we've um made some really big uh strides some huge changes that have been very well received um both inside the jail and in the community. Um, I think the the very beginning of my work here was to just focus on 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 what's happening inside and 
um, strengthen the programs that are, are available to folks on the inside. So we, um, we started a, a lot of programs uh, for folks to, that they can participate in these programs regardless of their classification and housing because um, previously uh, only a small portion of folks in the jail were able to access programs. And so that was kind of my first priority is to make sure that everybody, regardless of where they're housed and what their their classification is, could participate in a wide array of programming. Um, and then after that, I just started working with probation, strengthening our relationship with them, um, because, you know, they they really need to be able to have a strong communication with the sheriff's office. We share a lot of our same same population. Clients are bouncing back and forth between us. And then just really strengthening our relationship with the community um, and bringing in community partners and talking about what, you know, what folks could offer us or offer our, our folks here in the jail, our our, our people in custody. Um, and then the next phase is really to create a, a workforce development program here at the jail. That's really my goal and my dream is to, to have people walking out of here with some concrete skills um, and, and have relationships with local businesses and local, um, you know, factory pipe, for example, or metal FX, you know, people, folks who, who really need workers, you know, we can, we can provide those folks if we can get them trained. Well, how many people, I know the sheriff has said, but I can't remember off the top of the head. How many inmates are there actually in the jail between the women's and the men's section? Isn't it like 300 or yeah, so? Yeah, it's around 300. Um, yeah, average, you know, 280 to 300 on any given day right now. And then, and then one of the things you and I had talked about prior to this was that there's the whole realignment issue where the state is sending back, um, are they, I don't know, they're nonviolent people that are from our county that are in the state penitentiaries or state prisons. They're sending a lot of those back to the county to be closer to the homes and relieve the pressure on the state prisons. So we're getting a lot of those back. So how, um, how do you decide what are the criteria in order to get into your program? I, I, it's not open to everybody, is it? Or is, are there some, do they have to work to get into your restorative program is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, to be able to program in person, um, they do have to uh, really kind of prove themselves here in the jail um, in terms of safety, in terms of, you know, following the guidelines of the jail so, you know, we do have a smaller population that we work with in person. Um, usually it's about 10 women and 30 men or so. Um, however, like I said, I really wanted to make sure that all levels of classification could, could do something. So we do have something available for everyone now. Well, and the reason I brought this whole show together was because when I had Matt Kendall on, he was talking about the garden, which has been going prior to him. And then I know they're making, they're doing bread production there for the inmates. Then they also added bees. And now you're in the project. So they're beekeeping, learning beekeeping. And now you're adding the project of the um, 
chickens. You're going to have chickens and producing eggs and all of that. So these are the kind of, so that's what I know what's going on. But I know you want to expand that. I was there, you were talking about, there were some women I saw that were doing, um, getting their GED. Some of them were taking college courses. So let's talk about um, what's going on now. And then where do you see this going to help these people get integrated back into our communities safely and helping all of us okay yeah so you mentioned the garden um everything that we do here um in our restorative program uh kind of stems from our work in the garden um we really see uh the garden as a very rich um analogy for for us as human beings in terms of um you know the ecology of the human being uh needing to amend our soil needing to um you know put you know in, inputs that are that are nutritious into our ourselves you know both both um uh physically and spiritually right so um we look at the the human being as as like a as the soil and so um we take those lessons that we learn from from the garden and we're applying those to to ourselves and when i mean ourselves i really mean all of us you know i we we are a community here within the jail um including the corrections deputies including the residents here and so we all need to be working towards the same goal of growth and development. And so um, we can apply that human ecology model to ourselves. And so we just want to provide as many opportunities as we can for people to grow and develop. And so we have, you know, the garden program, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, they're growing uh, about 10% of our, our produce for the kitchen has been replaced with, with our own food and we've got a lot more potential for for more this year um so we're, we're planting a lot more vegetables this year and then sheriff kendall uh is a beekeeper as you know and he's keeping bees with our inmate garden crew for, he's teaching them beekeeping from you know um actually going out there and maintaining the the bee colonies to act to building the beehives he's taught them how to build their own hives you know he's giving them lessons with quizzes and tests for really understanding um you know how to care for bees and also you know uh beekeeping business you know working work, working with them on on you know what it would take to have their own you know beekeeping business honey business we have a couple guys who are on fire about it and now that's what they want to do when they get out is is have a, a beekeeping business um it's a great skill to to have and you know there are quite a few jobs in the central valley for beekeepers um so there's that that's happening and then we have the chickens so we're we're we've got uh, baby chicks that we're raising um, and that's going to be kind of on the women to do we really want to provide a lot more opportunities for the women to get out in the garden to uh, be out in nature to care for animals um, and so the women are caring for the chicks here in um, in our in our building at the moment and we're going to build a 
chicken coop with this company called Carolina Coops. They're coming out um, and volunteering their time to build a coop with our um, garden crews. And uh, so that's really exciting. Um, And we do have a college program, as you mentioned. So right now we just have women enrolled in the college program. Um, And it's, it's been uh, incredibly transformative for these women to be able to um, choose a major, choose a pathway and really start their, their college journey. Um, And they're just, all of them are straight A students. They're working so hard and it's just such a, a huge, meaningful experience for them. And the thing that I love most about all these programs is it changes people's perspectives about themselves and the way they look at themselves. So rather than looking at themselves as an inmate or a two striker or a criminal or a felon, they're looking at themselves as a beekeeper, a gardener, a student, um, and somebody who is capable of transformation. Yeah, when I was there, I was um, able to see the guys were putting together building the bee the bee hutches or bee houses, whatever you call them. Uh, bee, I know there's a name for it. I just based it. Anyway, they were yeah. <laughs> you know, they were building the boxes. The bees go in, and you could just see they felt so much accomplishment. They really wanted to show me what they had done, and it was really a great thing to see. I mean, they were just yeah, they could accomplish something, and they could look back and say, "Wow, I made this. Uh, that's really great." Let me just take a moment to reintroduce. I'm Karen Audubonny. This is the TKO Morning Show, and with me is Kate Fagan, and um, she is the project coordinator, I believe, is the correct title for the Restorative Justice Project. What is your title? Oh, um, I'm the restorative justice program manager. There you go. All these different managing things. So anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did. I just wanted to. I'm going to get you to explain the the three step thing in a minute. But I wanted to say when I watched the uh, presentation you did for the board of supervisors, uh, probation was there. The gentleman that is the head of that, whose name I keep forgetting. Um, yeah, he was there and was talking about how it's really good because he's now involved meeting these people that are in the jail seeing what they're learning seeing how they're functioning and that helps him by the time when they come to probation to see where they go and how they how they um operate within the probation system because a lot of times like i've said in the past is a lot of these people get keep recycling back into the jail because of the probation violations that's what happens with these people i know in the valley you know so probation is getting involved early in this to help you know help with these guys being and gals being better familiar with their needs and their abilities the other person that came into the meeting and joined in was the um, excuse me, the public defender's department. The, I can't remember the gentleman that was there, but he was one of the lawyers in the public defender's department. And he made a really good point is that in actuality, with this process of somebody getting arrested for minor petty crimes and all of that, he sees them first. Mm-hmm. So it it, um, it seems like he's now getting involved. So there's a lot more coordination between public defender's department, which sees these people very first, then you at the jail, and then probation. So it seems like there's a lot more in the future. Maybe it's happening now 
coordination between these various, I guess, agencies to help keep these get these you know people back into our community in a good way and you don't want to see them again right so is that yeah. is that happening you're beginning to stop start that right that's yeah that's exactly what's happening um i think that uh, uh, th- there were a lot of efforts made in the past to to communicate with all three um agencies you know probation public defenders and, and the sheriff's office but now that I'm kind of the point person and the 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 connection between all three of the, us, and um, I think that's been immensely helpful. You know, we have a lot of communication now with probation um, in terms of just you know, all right, you've got this person in custody that's mine. You know, what can you offer them? Can you you know what classes are they taking and things like that? Um, you know, I've got all the probation officers, you know, on speed dial on my phone, and we can just constantly be in communication with, with what's happening with their, their people here in custody and creating plans together for them when they get out so that we're not working in silos for the same case and the same person. Um, and that's the same with the public defender's office. You know, they just got a grant this year to have a, a case manager um, for their department, which is fantastic. And so we have invited him to just come to the jail every, he's here actually right now, uh, every Wednesday. And we just talk about cases, you know, who do you have on your caseload? How can we support you? How can we help? Um, You know, he's working on getting people's Medi-Cal turned back on, getting people into rehab, things like that. And so behavioral health has, you know, a discharge discharge planner um, that they embed here at the jail part-time. And so having him in, in on those conversations, you know, we're all just meeting as a team and doing that case management that was really lacking before. Um, and also not duplicating services. You know, that's another thing that happens or did happen before where, you know, unbeknownst to me, somebody else is working on helping somebody <clears throat> get into rehab um, <clears throat> while someone else is getting no services at all. So, we're trying to not duplicate services and we're trying not to work in in silos well and one of the other things that came up that i thought was a great tad and all great taglines whatever you call it it's called head heart and hands and that was the that was the high points of this presentation you gave um, i know we've covered some of it independently here but can you just i mean that's great to remember head heart yeah. and hands can you explain just a bit what that how you presented that in your presentation yeah well that's really the the thing that i'm trying to keep in mind when i'm building programming um at at any given moment is are we addressing the head heart and hands of every individual so um head meaning you know are, are we providing them with educational opportunities um to expand their mind to learn um, you know, whatever that looks like, if it's the, the adult school who uh, are embedded here in the jail or, or rising scholars through Mendocino College, or even just if they're interested in pursuing uh, um, something else. You know, I have, I have a, a person in here who wants to become um, a pastor. And so, you know, signing her up for correspondence course so that she can um, become a pastor, you know, those, you know, it's not limited to, to just academic. Um, and then heart, you know, are we, are we providing them with therapeutic 
services? You know, are we helping them to heal in whatever way they need to heal? So substance abuse counseling, um, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, you know, those are all ways to heal and everybody heals differently. So are we providing a robust menu of ways to heal for people? Um, animals, you know, the garden, we have a, a therapy dog here in the jail now. Um, so that's all part of that heart, you know, are, are we helping people awaken their inner life and um, heal in, in, in their hearts and become more present and grounded and, and connected to themselves and to the community? And then hands, you know, are we providing them with skills? Are they walking out of here having learned a skill that they didn't have before. Um, that's my goal uh, this next year is to really strengthen that piece. You know, we've got beekeeping, we have folks learning bread making, we have the garden um, and the chickens, but I'd really like to develop our trade skills. You know, I want to see people walking out with um, a marketable skill that they can immediately um, take to an employer. Well, one of the things I noticed and you showed me is there's this old funky, really molding, falling apart trailer that you're trying to get out of within the, it's within the fenced area for the jail. And uh, I don't know, it had been meeting center or what it has, but you're, you've got some grandiose ideas about what you'd like to put there. And you've already community, you've already working with the, the JC, the junior college. Is that right? So why don't you tell us about what, what's on the horizon with that trailer and vocational training? Okay. Yeah, we have this modular building here. We have a beautiful yard um, that's fully secure, and we have a modular building that, that was a classroom. Um, unfortunately, it's it's kind of falling down. We can't go in, even walk inside. It's not safe to do that. Um, and we we like i'd like to tear it down demolish it and i'd like to build a um a workforce training center i'd like to see you know a metal shop and a wood shop and a sustainable construction technology program um all in that area in that space you know we have we have the space for it and um it's what's really standing in our way is that building because we have a very strong relationship with the college you know they have cte programming at the college and they're ready cte is um uh career and technical yeah. education thank you um, and so they have a very a beautiful cte program and so they have welding they have sustainable construction classes they have ag classes where where our folks could get certified in get get a certificate from the college you know through what we're already doing in the garden um and a woodworking uh program so if we if we just brought brought the college in to to teach those classes um then we could have people walking out with certificates um and all that's really standing in our way is just creating that 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 space so that's my goal i was um at the san luis obispo jail last week um working uh, at a conference and i was so inspired by what they had going on and i just want <laughs> i want to do that here they had a you know a beautiful metal shop and a bike shop and a woodworking shop and they had 
people, you know, earning certificates in those those spaces, learning a trade, and um, that's my vision. For. So there are so there are other jails in the state that are actually doing this restorative justice type of deal, type of project. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, I think that. It's, it was interesting seeing all the other jails and uh, we were there were 21 jails represented at this conference last week. Um, and, you know, I was both inspired by some of the things they were doing. Uh, and I was also really feeling very proud of, of what we have accomplished here, um, because, you know, I think that we're pretty far ahead of the curve in a lot of ways um, in terms of you know, the restorative model and um, the human ecology model and everything that we're doing. And we've been able to to figure out over the past year and a half. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of jails who are not quite there yet. So we were able to kind of inspire each other um, and learn from each other last week. But um, I was really impressed with the SLO jail in terms of just their trades programming. Well, it- they probably have a better a better budget than we do because they're a bigger yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're probably a wealthy I'm saying just like Sonoma County they're probably a wealthier county than that so yeah. um, again I'm Karen Audubon my guest is Kate Fagan and we're talking about restorative justice and what's going on in Mendocino County it's an incredible project I'm just gonna put a shout out because in order to get that trailer demolished and something else that's gonna be a special ask at the budget time at budget hearings i believe or budget workshops from the sheriff's department so um if any of you have um you know think about it you think about you know who may who does the budget who decides the money that would be your supervisor <laughs> if you're at all inclined and supportive of this you may want to get a hold of your local representative and say you know what this is a this sounds like a good project this could because it saves money i mean the public defender who was on that board meeting i can't remember his name again i said but what he did is uh, you try to look the statistics to see if this really is worth it. And he he said the one project he was from Brooklyn, I believe he was quoting, it was an East Coast state, uh, city that was doing it. And it was in the millions of dollars they saved by not having the... Re- you know the turnover and and getting rid of the recidivism of these um you know local community members that we are that are part of our community these people have lived here and are part of our community but you in the long run it does save money and there is documentation of that so just shout out to it might be worth it for the county to throw a little money at this project because we'll probably save it in the long haul they say it, it you know it works out you have to look at three five years out to see about that as to whether it happens um the other thing I just wanted to shout out about, Kate, is that you're working with a group in Philo that's called the Unconditional Freedom Project, and it's the Prison Montessori is what they call it. So now, if you, they're doing some great documentation. They're actually videoing a lot of the projects that they're working with you on, the garden stuff at the, at the, call, at the jail. Um, they they're very good at doing video very good at promoting what you guys are doing over there so if you want to google that folks you can go to their site google the um unconditional freedom project the prison montessori and they and they have video of what's going on at our jail and it's very impressive very very impressive so uh maybe just 
talk just a minute or two about what that interaction is because it really has helped and it gives you volunteers and things. That's right. Yeah. Um, the the Unconditional Freedom Project is one of our most um, prominent community partners. Um, they have been incredibly helpful in moving forward um, the vision that that I've I've had here, and you know, I I found them. They they their goal is to turn prisons into monasteries, and I know that that um, sounds maybe strange for some people but for me um when i heard them um articulate that it really resonated with me because um when i i grew up going to monasteries all the time you know my family was was um uh, religious and we we had connections with with monasteries and the monastery was a place where you went uh you went to kind of recalibrate um you went there when things weren't were, were were hard and not going well, and um, that's where you went to to reflect, to have time out of the world, to 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 you know, like I mentioned earlier, to awaken your inner life and really um, recalibrate. And so that really was exciting to hear for me. And so that was something that you know they have wanted to do for a while. They started um, gardening in prisons and so they originally uh contacted us because they wanted to come and garden in our garden with with our our folks here and so you know our garden coordinator was retiring and so we needed to uh, have have somebody gardening anyway and so we brought them in and they took the garden to a whole new level you know rather than just um gardening you know they they wanted to supply the kitchen with all the produce they wanted to really connect the lessons in the garden to the the human ecology you know they really understood um the richness of being able to garden with with folks and so they're very intentional about the way that they're working with our people they start with a, an opening circle every morning with a reflection um they're having very intentional conversations all day long with our our residents and really using that time to make it rich and and meaningful um and teaching them about regenerative agriculture so i'm very happy with what they're doing um sorry there's a deputy at my door um and so um they're 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 just really rich and beautiful um that would be that that would be the therapeutic dog that hangs out in her office and walks around i actually met cute little Um, cute little dog they they also so we started with the garden and then they they started um yoga and they started meditation and they you know have slowly kind of added um beautiful rich classes and services to to our our menu of services and it's all it's been very well received they have a a lesson or a a a class called the the art of soul making which is really about building your inner life building your soul um creating coping skills um understanding behavior patterns and um you 
participate with a mentor on the outside and you write letters back and forth with that person who is going through the curriculum at the same time. And um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of their work and um, they just make everything that we're doing here a lot richer. Well, and I've always said, I think um, many, many years ago, I had to put my nephew in jail, one of my nephews, and uh, I re- referred to it as a timeout. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to have that time out, which is what society is saying when you break the laws and you do terrible things, you need a time out. And that these kind of programs that you're talking about, journaling, reflecting skills, um, it's it gives you a quality it gives you a time out where you can look at yourself try to do better and you're just not sitting there being punished right uh, i think that's the big thing it, a timeout does you no good if you're just sitting there learning you know burglary skills or terrible things but um yeah or where to get your next drug so i'm very impressed with us as a county committing to doing this getting positions in place like yours and the connectivity between the different agencies going on it's so impressive to see what's going on over there i have to say kate um so when you're talking about one of the things you and i talked about just shortly before we got on the air was you're you're developing all these trying to get your your inmates to have these skills and the ability and the self-confidence to go to work in the industries in mendocino county and it sounds like you're looking at developing skills for these people that are needed in our community, you know, like construction skills, welding skills, cooking skills. Um, So are you working now with any of the small businesses or even the big businesses in the counties, in the county to have placement for these um, inmates when they get out, once you've been able to build their skills up? So that's kind of my next big goal here is to develop those partnerships and relationships with our local businesses. That's really where I want to head next. Um, Yeah, I'm going out to Metal FX and Willits on Monday to chat with them about, you know, how can we partner on 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 uh, training people before they come in so that you have or before they come out so that you have uh, a workforce. a pool to choose from, you know, um, I know they really need workers. Um, they need people who know how to do their metal, metal fabrication, their metal work. And so, you know, we have people who are extremely intelligent here in the jail who could, who could learn it, you know, and, um, they could train people just the way they want to train them. Um, so I'd like to, to go to factory pipe. I'd like to go, you know, to our, our local restaurants and, um, you know, really start to to give them the opportunity if they want to come in here, perhaps, and train people um, or partner with us in in this sort of workforce development program that is my vision. Um, and then they can they can have people. You know, they have guaranteed workers. It's really hard to find people with these skills right now. Um, and uh, the 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 labor pool is pretty small. And um, we can help with that, you know. Sounds like great. This is probably a good time to give out your contact information because there may be people listening that have small businesses or know of people that would be interesting in getting involved in your project. So good okay. good time to give out your contacts. Give them out nice and slow so people know. Okay. Well, let's see. You can definitely call me on my cell phone, 
which is 707-510-6513. And we can have a chat. You know, I'm very interested in working with local businesses. If you have an idea, I'm open to, to chatting about that. And then my email is my last name, Fagan, F E I G I N K at mendocinocounty.org if you want to send me an email. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really wanting to, to strengthen our partnerships with, you know, the community and local businesses. So, listeners, I'm going to open up the phone lines, 895, that'd be 707-895-2448, if you have some questions or comments about this project. Um, have your ideas ready before you get on the air, 895-2448. Kate, we've gone over, we've been bouncing around all the different projects and stuff and what's going on. Um, So what have we missed and what do you want to add to it? We still got about 15 minutes left or a little bit more. Um, What more you, I know you had some ideas about where it's going. What are, what are your challenges going forward besides just getting rid of the funky trailer, which is a budgetary issue? Um, Unless some generous, um, community member or a group of community members wanted to get together and pool some money to do that. That might be something too, where we could all get together. Have you? Do you have a budget on that? I think you told me you did have kind of an idea what it was going to take. Uh, to 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 tear that down. down and get another one up. What were you going? Probably about twenty five thousand dollars. Is that to tear it down, but not a new one? No, for a new one, that's that's phase two. We've got to but we've just, got to tear it down before we can even build. look at. All right. Yeah. If we want to, we have to decide if we want to build something or if we want to get a, um, you know, a prefab uh, workshop, that kind of thing. That's that's the next phase. So if there's community members out there that would like to help with that project, I'm sure Kate would be help- thankful, the sheriff would be thankful, and uh, it would probably get it done faster than waiting for our local board of supervisors to throw money at it. Just just like just my humble opinion that's what that my thought would be so what do you see what do you see coming up soon i mean you've got the gardens going you said yeah. the, the chicken coops coming they're going to come build that in may you said so you have yeah, that going right. so we, yeah we we have carolina coops coming out and they're going to film a little mini documentary about the the process of of building the coop here at the jail. Um, we do have a, another mini documentary out that maybe you can post on our on your site with um, Unconditional Freedom Project, just on the prison monastery concept, um, which is beautiful. As you said, they're amazing um, at capturing the essence of of what we're really trying to do here. The other thing that um, is on my mind and kind of on my list really (laughs) i'm slightly ambitious um is to figure out a a stronger re-entry process for our folks so i mean um it's all well and good to have all this beautiful programming here in the jail and you know it's extremely uh important and necessary but if we don't have a strong re-entry program then a lot of it falls apart for the for folks when they return to the community and so i really want to start examining our re-entry process as it stands now and develop a better process for folks as they're coming out of jail um 
you know, we need more case management happening for our people. We need people to, um, we need to provide a better, what I call scaffolding for people as they're coming out of jail. You know, they're the ones doing the building. They're the ones who, it needs to come from them. The initiative needs to come from them. Um, they need to, to start that work on the inside. But I think that people are vulnerable when they get out and they need that scaffolding to keep building. Um, and right now, you know, there are some gaps and I'd really like to explore those gaps and figure out some solutions for, for um, continued, con- a continuum of care for people uh, post-release. So I'm starting a reentry coalition um, of stakeholders in the community who do work with our people when they're reentering the community. And I want to talk with, with the coalition about, you know, what are you seeing from your perspective? What are your barriers? What are your obstacles? You know, how can we work together to support people as they're coming out of, out of this very structured environment um, back into the community so that all that hard work that they did um, isn't uh, totally falling apart as they come out. So who do you see at the table for that, for stakeholders for the that probation side? I mean, probation would have to be in because they're the ones that monitor when they come out. So Yeah, so, so definitely probation. Okay. I, I'd like, I'd, I'm inviting them to be at the table and they're, you know, they're stakeholders so it's so they're very interested in in being at the table um i'd like the public defender's office to to be represented there and the da's office as well um and i'd like to see the courts you know someone you know i'm going to invite the judges as well um and our our nonprofits that work with our folks manzanita and redwood community services you know they're all all working with our population as they come out. Um, and so, you know, I'd like social services to be there as well and behavioral health and, and really just get everybody in the room talking about this process, you know, how, where are the gaps, you know, if somebody's medical doesn't get turned on for a week and a half after they get released and they can't, yeah, can't do it. This somewhere, for example, um, how do we support them? Boy, you do have big ideas and whatever we said, got the phones ringing you ready to take some calls here i mean really they're ringing off the hook i'll fight all right folks have your questions ready to go here we go whoops that one's not there good morning caller whoa what's going on here good morning caller i hope you're on the air i hope i'm on the air too yes you are what's your question or comment uh well one question one comment tonight on pbs at 10 um, there is what purports to be quite a good documentary called uh, Life After Lockup. So anyone in, interested in this whole subject might find that of interest. Um, again, that's your local PBS station or online, I guess, Life After Lockup at 10 tonight. The other question is, um, how are you integrating inmate families um, not, into, not only just after uh, folks get out, but perhaps even uh, to the projects that are going on um, in the jail. And I'll take my answer on the air. Thank you so much. Got it. Yeah. Well, you know, my department here does interface with families quite a lot. You know, we have families who are 
concerned about their loved ones. We have families who are advocating for their loved ones who are in, in custody. And so, you know, we're interfacing with them quite a lot. Um, just letting them know what is available to their, their folks, helping them with logistical issues, you know, IDs or, you know, any kind of barrier to success. You know, we, we really like working with the families because they can help us help the individual. Um, so that's one thing we're doing. The other thing that I forgot to mention was that um, we're, we're uh, having some of the parents who are in custody um, read a story to their to their child on video um, and sending that story, that video um, to, to their children. We really want those connections to stay alive with, with parents and their children who are um, waiting for their parents to come home. So that's another thing that we're doing. We just really want to strengthen those connections. That also ensures uh, success when people get released. All right. We have another caller we're going to try to get on here this morning. Good morning, caller. You're on the air with us. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me okay? We certainly can, sir. Okay, great. Um, this is a really great show, and uh, thank you for it. And I called in last time uh, when Matt Kendall was on. And it seems just to me from maybe the age group that I'm at, but it seems like you're moving towards something in Sonoma County that they call like the Honor Farm. And I'm not sure why we're not calling it that. And it, it seems to me that some of these uh, programs were lost after the Reagan years, possibly because of taxes, I'm not sure, but there, there should be some several turnkey projects that are already out there in other counties that we can address, um, you know, as, as a community to uh, get federal grants to forward this uh, into, um, you know, like we said, returning, like you said, the out, the out, uh, you know, moving away from the jail as far as being able to get, um, you know, solid people in our community who want to work and um, and also with our fire crews, renewing our fire crews um, kind of aspect um, of it. So I would, I would just, uh, as a comment, would uh, hope that... Uh, that there, that um, you would take the time to find some other programs that are in other counties that are have been successful through all these years and uh, be able to uh, implement them here uh, with federal grants. Thank Th- you. Thank you so much. Um, what was that? The farm? What do they call it down in Sonoma County? The Is Honor it? Farm. Honor Farm. So how does that differ? I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with that because you just went to the conference in SoCal. Yeah, so. yeah, they they call their program the Honor Farm as well. I love that term. Um, I think it's it's great. Um, I, I would not be opposed to calling our our program the Honor Farm too. Um, I I think that that's a really beautiful uh, image that it really conjures up. You know, our jail is small. You know, our our programs are small, and our population is small. So. You know, we do want to apply for grants. We do want to build out these programs. Um, we just need to scale it for our population. So, you know, the SLO jail has, you know, five different programs going, you know, in their in their honor farm. And I think that we just need to scale it for our, our population size. But um, definitely we are looking at grants um, and, and 
And now that uh, I am in this position, that really just frees me up to start pursuing that kind of funding. So the grant writing would be coming under your purview. You'd be the one responsible for that. Oh boy, you're getting, you are going to have a big job there. And you've only yeah. been in the job, what, an hour, a year, year and a an half? <laughs> Not um, even a yeah, year. No. A year and a little bit. Yeah, uh, a year and a little bit. January 2021. Yeah, that's what I thought. It hadn't been long. Um, so are the, is there money out there? I mean, yeah, absolutely. state and federal money for these kind of projects? Absolutely, yes. There's a There are workforce development grants for county jails. Um there are reentry grants out there. Um, you know, we just need to to be able to to go after that funding and really have. Uh, you know, we we've I've been at a dead run this last year and a little bit, and um, just building out our in custody programming. And so now um, I'm really turning my focus to to you know sustainability funding and and going after grants and. I have to keep telling myself to 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 pace myself um, a little bit because you know I want to apply for all the grants today, <laughs> but um, you know we applied for one grant this year and, and we were funded and uh, I think that you know that's great and it's a capacity building grant it's a it's it's one that's going to help us build this this reentry coalition and gather the data that we need to apply for a reentry grant so I I'm really trying to to build intentionally and carefully um, and not get too ahead of myself. Well, and as our program gets more established, now that we have a program coordinator, you, uh, that makes it look like the money's going to go into something that really can happen. It's just not going into a sinkhole. It sounds like we're getting more established as a county, and as these programs get in place, we'll have more um, credibility, as they may say, at the state and federal level, I would imagine. Um, Right. And these are data-driven grants. You know, they want to see data. They want to see your recidivism data, for example. They want to see you know, your program outcomes. And so I need to build that first before I can, you know, put a lot of time into writing a grant that, that takes a, a ton of time to do it. And and so I want to build out that data set. You know, I want to, I want to have a baseline of, of information to, to bring to the application. Did SLO have any um, data from what they, how, their proper program has probably been going longer than ours, I would imagine, because it is a more wealthy county. Did they have any details about uh, any, you know, numbers about how, how it's helped their county? Did they, yeah, they I would think they, they want to brag about that or at least talk about that to you. Yeah, they, they were actually, they hosted it. They didn't present uh, at the conference about their own, with their own data, but they did, I did speak just kind of privately with, with their, my, my um, kind of counterpart there at that jail. And she said that, you know, their recidivism, recidivism rates have gone down significantly, but their, their program's been around a lot longer um, and they've been tracking their recidivism for for longer than we have. I mean, we're just now beginning to do that. Well, the the number that the public defender gave to the board was the the Brooklyn East Coast one said it was like sixty percent was down. 
The receiver oh, really? doesn't, yeah, it was yeah. really it was really high. I was surprised. Now that's a hardcore program that's been going, but the numbers were really impressive of what it's um, decreased the recidivism. I think it was sixty percent, is what he said. That was yeah. amazing. It was quite amazing. And then the money that saved was multi 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 millions of dollars to them. Okay, so we're going to wrap up here. I got to get out in about a, in two minutes. So quickly, give your contact information again, Kate. Would you please? Sure. Yeah, my email address is. My last name, Fagan, F-E-I-G-I-N-K, at MendocinoCounty.org. And um, my cell phone is uh, 707-510-6513. All right. Hey, Kate, thanks so much. Thanks for the tour. Anything comes up, you have my number. Let's Uh, keep in touch. This is a great project. Thanks for all the work you're doing, kiddo. Thanks. Thank you. All right, folks, that was Kate Fagan with the Restorative Project for Mendocino County Jail. And I want to remind you that we are in our quiet drive. So please keep this project going. This is your radio station, listener-supported community radio. You can do that at kzyx.org, the big red button. You can also do it snail mail, P.O. Box 1, Philo. I don't care how you do it. Just help support this station because you're listening and I know you like what you hear. I will be back with you in two weeks. Stay tuned. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.